and welcome to the Off-Kilter Quilt. My name is Frances and I'll be your hostess. Hello and welcome to whatever episode this is. 250 something. Could be 58, could be 59. I don't know. Are we counting anymore? Are you keeping track at home? I doubt it. I doubt it. So let's just say that it is September 24th because that is the truth. Um, It is the 24th and I am sitting on my porch. I hope you can hear the good bug noise and bird noise. It's the most wonderful time of year. It's fall. And we have had here in central North Carolina um, a really um, traditional kind of fall. Like fall came in on little cat feet. No, that's the fog. But, But fall came in about the time that you really want fall to come in. And so often here in the upper southeast, it does not. It says, I think I'll be 95 degrees well into October. But this fall, and I I don't want to praise the weather. Since I don't complain about the weather, I feel it wrong also to praise it. But I'm just saying, finally, weather, you're doing your job. You're doing what you're supposed to do. We had a nice enough summer. See, I just now, I feel like if I talk up the weather, it's going to get all full of itself. And then we're going to have Indian summer. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, is COVID making me a little nuts more than usual? Perhaps. I don't know anymore. I did just have a civilized conversation with my neighbor, Ryan. Um, he was walking his dog, Ziggy, who is a golden doodle, I think. Uh, maybe a labradoodle. I bet a labradoodle because Ziggy is big. Ziggy is a big dog. And Travis is kind of a small dog. But they get along just fine. They don't interact that much. But anyway, we had uh, Ryan and I had a nice 20-minute conversation about how awful everything really is. But uh, why TV is good at times like these. I'm watching some bad TV. Um, I think I'm watching some good TV as well. Although now I can't remember what the good TV is. The bad TV would be like Grey's Anatomy. Um, which I've never gotten beyond season four of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and there's 17 seasons, and I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't think I can do 17 seasons of Grey's Anatomy because it gets less and less interesting as it goes along, and that's that becomes the problem. I think I think writing a TV show must be really hard because so many people do it so badly, but the first seasons of so many shows are great. Now, interestingly, there's some shows that end up being really great that don't start out great. So Parks and Recs, the first season they're just still kind of figuring it out um they they, they, i feel like the the characters don't really get into character the writers don't really uh, discover who the characters really are until the second season so that first season has its charms it's 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 funny it's worth watching but you don't kind of fall in love with the characters until the second season um the office i think starts out you know, it, it takes a little bit uh, of time to get going, but it gets going pretty quickly. Um, yeah, anyway, Grey's Anatomy is very charming that first season. The thing that you have to get past is that everyone is in love with Meredith Grey, who is far too thin. I'm sorry, you may be naturally thin, and you may like not even like that about yourself. Um, and I get it. We all have really messed up relationships with our bodies. 
Um, you know, so I, I don't mean to be going after thin girls, but she's like really painfully thin and really long-waisted in a way that just like freaks me out sometimes. But also just as a person, she, she, she's fine. She's kind of cute. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't really understand why so many men are drawn to her, but it's still kind of fun. And Patrick Stewart, who plays McDreamy, is really dreamy. But then it just kind of falls apart because, you, you know, certain, certain st- storylines play themselves out. And then you have to create new storylines. And the writers tend to just not do a good job after that. Because you know why? You have to serve the character, not the plot, if you really want a good story. And so many TV writers, they serve the plot. So they have characters doing things that they wouldn't do, um, you know, in real life. If they... <laughs> And the and they're real versions of themselves. That the characters who were so thoughtfully created and developed in the first season or two, suddenly by season four, you're just like, who is that person? So, anyway, enough about that. Um, it was nice to see my neighbor. It's always nice. I have nice neighbors. I feel very fortunate in that. We've always had good neighbors. Um, yeah, so anyway, this is a, a quilting podcast, in case you were wondering, in case you're just tuning in. Um, this just popped up in your podcast feed and you started listening. And I am quilting. Uh, after you know a summer of not doing a ton of quilting, doing some reverse applique, I'm working on a, po- a poem, a poem quilt, as one does. Uh, I just love reverse applique. I love cutting stuff out. I think, you know, I want to find like the best scissors in the world. I have very nice... Uh, applique scissors um, that my mom gave me. I'm not even sure what brand they are. I actually, I would like, I'd like to get them sharpened. I don't know that that's going to happen during the time of COVID, but uh, and it's not that they're dull, but I just want the very best, very sharpest, pointiest applique scissors out there because I love cutting stuff out very much. I am five. It is true. I am five years old. This is kindergarten. But it's, real, it's fun. So I'm working on that. I just finished a quilt, a small quilt, um, a challenge quilt for the uh, Modern Quilt Guild, Moda Fabric Challenge. The fabrics. Now, I, you know, I love Moda. I'm always happy to work with Moda Fabrics. They feel so good. Um, they were, I felt, a really odd choice for uh, modern quilters. But maybe that was the point to give us fabric. Um, that would be truly challenging. How do you make a modern quilt out of this cute little flowery print? Um, and the colorways, too, uh, they're peach and brown, were essentially the colorways with the, a little, yeah, kind of, and then and there was a, uh, it wasn't how, just a, let me think. I guess we're just going to call it checkered, a checkered print. I was wanted to say houndstooth, but that's not right. But a brown and white checkered print, it's it's adorable. But so you've got that. You've got um, a peach with a, a little white doodly thing in it. A very, it's a very pretty peach. And then a, brown, a, a floral peach and green with a brown background. And another fabric that's got yellow in it. It's, it's just an odd set of fabrics. But I did it, and I did not buy new fabric. I probably would have had any of the fabric lines been available, but they're all sold out everywhere, which is great because it made me just work with what I had and made choices, and I messed up some stuff so that my, I was even more limited in what I could do. But I'll put a picture of uh, the quilt in the show notes, such as the show notes may be, um, 
and it's a cute little quote. It's 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 26 inches square. It's called Into the Woods because it's it just there's something about it that uh, I I totally improved it. And what, when I finished it, I thought, oh, you know, that really kind of looks like a if you took a walk through the woods and suddenly came to a doorway, you know, um, that might lead to another world, a fairy world, an enchanted world. And so I liked that a lot. So it's called Into the Woods. So I did that. I also um, finished and pieced and basted that my my wonky, funky red and white star quilt, and I'm just waiting for the the moment. And that moment could be this weekend. Uh, I'm going to hand quilt it, but I, I need to get into that hand quilting mode. I need my hand quilting mojo to come come upon me. And um, you know, I'm a terrible hand quilter. I just am. I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get good. And, and I know there are people who hear me say that and, and um, recoil or, uh, or immediately I'm just disgusted by, by my slackness. Uh, although I can't believe there are too many people like that who actually listen to this podcast because it's such a slacker podcast to begin with. Um, but yes, uh, I know. I know there are people out there like, why not? If you're going to do something, do it well. Which is really, you know, I tell my own children that. Um, um, to the extent that they're children and that I tell them anything anymore, which I really don't. They're kind of, you know, feral young adults. Uh, Jack is back at school, by the way. Uh, he goes to, to Davidson College, which is a, a very small school um, outside of Charlotte. I think there maybe are 2,000 undergrad. And they have done a really good job with the COVID. They uh, follow a lot of protocols there's a lot of uh temperature taking and testing and as the man said to me yesterday is like if you know it, it kind of goes to show if people wear masks socially distance and get tested a lot you can kind of keep this thing under control um duke is doing the same thing we live very close to duke university and they have half of their students on campus i think it's the freshmen and the seniors um and they also are, are have very strict protocols, protocols, uh, protocols, protocols. I can't remember. Neither sound right at this moment. But there's a lovely bird singing, um, and it is Thursday, which means that the leaf blowers are mostly silenced. We we get a lot of leaf blowing this time of year uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, ruining any uh, nice morning writing you might be doing on the screen porch. Thank you very much, leaf blowing people of the universe uh, my husband is one of those people although he does not do it on uh, in the mornings thank goodness I'm against leaf blowers it's it's a issue um, it's not a huge issue it's not going to break us up but you know and I think as he often points out if, if you know I'm welcome to rake <laughs> like the leaf blower um, but no anywho um, yes so Duke is doing very well as well um oh and yeah yeah the whole thing it's like there there are institutions there are organizations that are showing that with with you know with a lot of work and effort um you can be back on campus you can be gathering in a distanced way and kind of still keep the virus at bay but winter is coming winter is coming in so many ways so let's make quilts and maybe knit a little bit i'm in a sock knitting mood i'm finishing up a pair of socks uh that i started about a year ago so it's time to buy some new sock yarn and i'm very excited because our local uh craft shop freeman's creative over in the lake uh lakewood uh shopping center uh does uh, 
has an internet store now and if you're local you just you put in your order you pay for it and then you go do a contactless pickup and so uh and it's such a it's uh, i've been getting lots lots of fabric or what what to me constitutes lots of fabric um, i'm not a huge fabric shopper but i have been doing that and then um yeah, and, and then I d- and, and it's such a small shop that like last night I emailed Amelia, the the owner, and just said, "Hey, what's you know, I, what, what's the best? I want to do some socks, and I can't think. What what is the best weight? I just really could not remember what the best weight. You, you know, I just need someone to say this is sock yarn. I'm like, I, I feel like it's finger weight, but is that right? Or fingering, or fingerling, or whatever they call it. And and what are some? What do you think? That, what are your brands? So, you know, what are your brands of sock wool? sock yarn and she emailed back you know around midnight last night and so I'm going to do a a yarn order so that you know so it's it's that time of year it's a good time of year for crafting I think that knitting and quilting right now besides just being what we do and what we love to do particularly if you're listening to this podcast the quilting um although I know a lot of quilters I know are also knitters um yeah it's I think it's uh it's a good thing to do it feels it's meditative the knitting at least even the quilting particularly doing the hand quilting even when one does it rather badly um but just to be using our hands making stuff i think making stuff is good for our souls i i really truly do um i am watching some tv uh bad tvs i said and speaking of bad tv no or good tv um that i can't watch a uh, breaking bad that would be the the link there and obviously breaking bad is a, it's it's really good and i've gone as far with it as i've ever gotten before i just had to stop because it's you know i can watch it and admire everything about it the writing the acting the characterization all those things that that just make a show really exceptional but i get no joy from it there's no joy um there's a little bit of joy in gray's anatomy because everyone's so pretty and they keep falling in love, and it's so stupid that there's kind of a mindless, numbing joy. Um, <laughs> and my friend Bridget, Bridget's my TV-watching friend, and she her thing this summer has been Longmire, uh, which is on Netflix, which she loves. And I watch, and it's, you know, it's a sort of mystery detective kind of show set in Wyoming, but I like the characters. There's a nice sense of humor that goes through it. Um, I don't care about who solves the mystery. I, I mean, I, I know Longmire will, will solve the mystery. He's the sheriff. Uh, I don't care what happened. You know, I just, I, I do, I, you know, it's, it's just the scenery is nice. It's kind of comforting. Lou Diamond Phillips is in it. He's a joy. He's, he's just a, has a great presence. I've always really liked him. I've always felt like his face was like an acorn and, you know, but a really cute acorn. He has a really cute acorn face. So, um, but that's, Bridget's been doing that. And, th- and now she's got me on this new show. It's called Sweet Magnolias. It's on Netflix. And, you know, it's okay, but it's about friendship, about these three women and they're middle-aged and, you know, so am I. I'm probably at this point... I don't know. I feel am, am I, I'm 56, so I think that puts me on sort of the, the far side or the the the, the nearish far side of middle age. Unless I could live to be 112, I'm not sure if that would be a good thing. But um, any event, but these I think these characters they seem more like they're in their mid 40s. 
I don't think they're in their 30s. And they all have, uh, I, I, maybe they're in their 30s. They don't look it. If they're in their 30s, there's a casting issue there. But anyway, so let's say they're in their 40s. And it's uh, it's a southern town. Like every, pretty much every show that's in the south with characters who are performed by actors who are not southern, you have like five or six distinct regional accents going on at one time. Um, and I know like... Some of you will know what I mean. You know, Andrew, if you're listening, you're in Tennessee. You know that people talk one way in Tennessee, and they talk a different way in North Carolina. In fact, in North Carolina, we have got three distinct regions, and I would argue three distinct accents. Um, there's the mountains, there's the beach, there's the Piedmont. There, so I would actually say you could say there's four. As you start heading east toward the beach... The accent starts changing as you start. I'm really right in the middle. You start heading west toward the uh, the mountains. It starts changing. It's a spectrum of accents in one state. So yeah. So actors who are not southern man, they just kind of they choose. They like okay. I think I'm gonna sound like I'm from Mississippi, and <laughs> it's like that's great. But this show takes place in uh, Virginia, and Virginia is. That's a whole another different accent and a whole collection of accents. Anyway, so if you if 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 you are from the South or live in the South, you know that the South is actually made up of a lot of different places. It, there's not one una culture in the South, and there is certainly not one accent. But I just have to move past that because I, I'm just ruining life for myself by being so picky, um, which I really can be. But it, so far, I've just started watching this, and it's it's very friendly. It just has a friendly feel to it. it it's not good. I'm not going to say, hey, here's literature translated into the television medium. It's not that. But it's comforting, and I think we need comfort. Oh, we need comfort. Anyway, that's why we make quilts. So I do have a quilting life going on, and I'm enjoying that. Um and I have a reading life going on. I'm kind of all over the place. I just got this book uh, on eBay. Uh, not eBay. Ebook. <laughs> I didn't get the ebook on eBay. Um, I got it on Amazon, actually. It's called Cozy. And it's by a woman named Isabel Galesi, is perhaps how you say her last name. I, I might. I linked to it in the show notes. I might not. Um, but it's, I, I've been reading it. It's very fun. You know, there's, obviously this is our cozy time of year. Um, and there are different kinds of coziness. And that's what I like about this book is that the, um, author really gets that. It's not just, you know, big fluffy pillows and quilts that, uh, feel cozy or, or, you know, candles, although candles are very cozy, um, but there are a lot of different things that that create a feeling of coziness. Like she writes at length about pencils, and I'm absolutely with her on that. Like school supplies in general are cozy; they just give you a, a yeah a sense of everything's right with the world, and I can relax for this moment that I'm with this pencil. <laughs> or when I open up my desk drawer and I see my box of Pilot v5 precise pens and it's a new box so there are at least i think it's a box of let's say if it's a box of 12 there are at least nine fresh unused pens in there that to me is a very cozy feeling so i'm enjoying this i'm enjoying someone who truly understands the depth and the width and the possibilities of coziness now i'm sitting here with travis the quilt dog on the porch this is very cozy 
um, and he is fluffy. He got bit by uh, a copperhead several weeks ago. He is fine. In case you're wondering, dogs really don't get phased by being bit. I mean, no, I won't say he he was non-reactive to that bite. It hurt. That's the things that that's the thing that gets to dogs is that it's it, it hurts to have fangs implanted into your body, um, and so that happened. It's his nose. So uh, and 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 he yelped. We were kind of probably half a mile away from home, so not that far. So we called the vet, and the vet said, "Bring him in." So and and it, what was funny is I kind of expect that Travis would lie down and I'd have to carry him home but he went he zipped home like full speed ahead and I think he was just pumped up with adrenaline but he stayed at the vet for half a day and he was fine they put him on antibiotics and painkillers but if I had been bit by the copperhead I you know I'd probably be in the hospital for two weeks and might might have lost a foot if that's where the copperhead bit me I mean it's really people we live in a wooded area people get bit by copperheads and it's it's really bad but for dogs not so much. Doesn't bother them. But uh, we, Travis got spoiled. Every time I say his name, he he looks at me like, "What? What? Pet me?" Um, he got very spoiled and and very well taken care of. I mean, the neighbors still ask about him when we're out and about. Like, how's Travis? Uh, I think some of my neighbors were more traumatized than Travis was, or that I was. But I was there, and you know, I, I I'm educated about copperhead bites and dogs now, so I knew it's a it sounds more dramatic than it actually was. Um, but in any event, I'm enjoying this cozy book. And if you're in that mood to be cozy and to think about cozy in a larger way, cozy beyond throw pillows, I, I, I think. Th- this is a book worth for you. And right now, I don't know how long this will be true. Um, but it's the ebook is like four fifty nine. Very cheap. My library, as it turns out, also has a copy, which is nice. Although, you know, getting a book from the library now is, uh, <laughs> I've worked, it's, it's, it's more complicated. Uh, but with our library, you can put books on hold up to five at a time. And then you have to make a schedule a time to pick up the books. And, um, you know, and it's usually once, and you have to wait until you actually have one of your holds comes in. And then you, that's when you can schedule a pickup time. And it usually takes a week uh, to, to get a time. And five books for me, because usually during normal times, what I do is I, I get a, a notion in my head that I need to know everything about, I don't know, the color blue or, uh, you know, trees of North Carolina. And then I go put like 12 books on hold at the library about trees in North Carolina. And there's a 15 book max. Um, and then, like, the next day when my, my fervor has died down a little bit, I'll go and unhold, you know, 10 of those books. Um, but still, 15 books is a lot of books you can put on hold. And, and I, I'm sort of, um, you know, promiscuous when it comes to putting books on hold. But when you only have five, you have to be really careful. But, and this just occurred to me last week, and it was, uh so exciting. I realized I have Will's library card in my wallet. He, you know, once he started at school, from, you know, back in the day, it's like he got his books from the school library. It was very rare unless we were going to the beach. That was kind of the only time he would go to the public library. Well, I've got his book. That's 
his card, that's five more books I can put on hold. So now I've got dueling cards. Um, it's, it's a little complicated. I'm having to be very organized about this. But, yes, yeah, so now I have ten books. And I actually think that Jack's library card is upstairs in his room. So if I need to, I've got uh, five more books. That, that, get, that gets super complicated um, because you, you can't arrange to pick all the stuff up on this at the same time. So because the holds come in at different times. So it's a little complicated, but I'm sort of enjoying it. Um, yeah, so anyway, so the cozy book, uh, it's at the library. I've thought about actually getting it out um, because I actually prefer to read act- real books. But um, I, I'm having to be careful. I'm having to make choices about how I get my books. So I'm reading that. I'm reading, um, oh gosh. I'm reading a really good book by a woman named Sigrid Nunez, and I want to say it's, uh, I, I can't remember the title. This is terrible. I'm actually going to have to walk in because I'm really enjoying it. It's short. She won the National Book Award for a novel she published a few years ago called The Friend, um, and I really, yeah, it's almost time for me to get to work here. It's called... Um, what are you what are you going through by Sigrid Nunez it just came out it's you know it's it's it is not a plot driven novel it's really in some ways it's it's a, a meditation on women and aging but the the plot such as it is is that the narrator it's a first person narr- narration has is visiting a friend has come from out of town to visit a close friend who is dying of cancer um uh, apparently, uh, the, this close in real life, Nunez was close friends with um, uh, uh, Susan Sontag, who did die of cancer, and and so it, the thought is that this is this is a lightly autobiographical novel, and you know Sontag was one of the great intellects of the twentieth century, um, so this is not a this is not a beaches. <laughs> kind of novel this is not a sentimental my friend design it's it, it so but there is a lot uh, so far and I'm, I'm maybe 50 pages into it uh so th- there's a lot about um again women and aging and and, and some about relationships um and it's it's very interesting it's it's not a long novel at all and then once i finish that i'll be reading um is it the other half by Brit, once again, we're going to walk inside. Um, It is, oh no, The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett. And I read her first book called The Mothers, which I thought was very good. I have not started this, but I am pleased to say that I was able to borrow it. I was on like, it's it's a a really well-reviewed book. It I'm like number I was number 23 on the large print version of the book sometimes if you need to get a book fast if you go for large print you can get it faster um than if you go for the regular so um but but even with the large print I was 23 and it's from my book club which meets uh in two weeks so so I kind of needed to get on it. So I just put a call out on my neighborhood listserv, which often is a, a real source of irritation for me, this listserv. But somebody had put on the listserv that they were giving away some detector, detective gamache books. And someone else then said, oh, you know, we should, you know, it'd be interesting to have some sort of book trade 
you know, trading thing on our uh, listserv because so many people read. And I said, hey, since we're talking about books, does anyone have a copy of The Vanishing Half um, that I could borrow? And and someone did, and she loaned it to me. So I'm trying. I have to be very, very careful. I cannot eat chocolate while I read this book. But that is next on my list of um, books to read. I also have the the what is it the uh, the new Churchill biography by Eric Larson, which has the vile and the something, or the something and the vile. It's not the naked and the vile but I think that would be a great title. Anyway, so yes, I have a number of things that I'm reading or about to read, and I'm also, and I do this this time of year, going back through the Soul Mama blog. Are you a Soul Mama fan? S-O-U-L-E, Amanda Blake Soul. It's the blog that she kept for years and years. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's as Amanda Soul is a mother of five Although when she started her blog, she started the blog like in 2005, and she had two children, and they kind of live in Maine. She's from Maine, um, she and her husband, and they had two boys. And she's just was primarily at that time, she was a knitter. And so she was writing about knitting. And then she and her fam, but also very kind of Waldorf, Waldorf school, very artsy, craftsy, earthy, crunchy, just to label her left and right. Um but then they bought a farm. I think she had another child. They bought a farmhouse in Maine, and over the years had two more children. So she's got five children. The oldest is in college now. The youngest, I think, is in third grade. She she hasn't blogged regularly in a long time. She now is uh, for for many years now has put out a magazine called Taproot, and I think a lot of her focus, particularly as her children have gotten older, uh, a lot of her focus is on the magazine and. Uh, and and she posts a little bit on Instagram, but it is has definitely pulled back out of the public sphere in a lot of ways. In part, I think because you know she was really documenting family life, and and that changes. Her she homeschooled her kids for a long time, and then the older ones uh, started going off to, uh, you know, I I think the. A couple of them went to a Waldorf school, and one went to a STEM school, and, you know, so they, they kind of wanted to move on from homeschooling, and, you know, and, and I, so they did, and so there, it's the, I think the family life has changed, and as the children have gotten older, you know, she's been very, she's, I think, always been fairly careful about protecting their privacy, but I think has gotten even more so, so it's, it's not the same, but those, but the years, starting around the time they moved to the farm, um, through, you know, for the next eight years or so. It's really, you know, if you just want to feel like, if you want to feel cozy, it's a really cozy blog. Now, some people started to hate her um, because you never really saw behind the curtains that much. Every once in a while she would allude to that it had been a trying time or she was having a bad day or she'd show you a messy corner of the house. But typically... Uh, all her pictures are just beautiful and you know the kids outside with the chickens or here's the the freshly baked loaf of bread or here's what I'm knitting and while I never had the sense of that she was making this up and that life behind the camera was incredibly chaotic and unhappy at the same time you're like you know I was always fully aware you we're not seeing the whole story here and and I think she admitted to that you're not seeing the whole story uh, and in some ways I, ha- I heard something yeah I, 
I have not read the early years that carefully, but apparently she, at some point in the early years of her blogging, talked about having some issues with depression. And, and my sense is that she may have really, part of what she was doing with this blog was getting herself to focus on what was good about life. And I think that when you do that, um, it, the, the goodness increases. You know, your gratitude increases, and you start looking for it. So anyway, it's just, it's, I enjoy it. I was not, the, you know, I, and it's great because sometimes I think maybe we, if we'd started earlier with kids, maybe we would have had a third child. Um, probably in some ways, I'm not sure, I, I, we would have loved a third child. I, I don't feel like, oh, that that's a real loss. Um, it might have been nice. But uh, I know that having five children is really not, and for a lot of people, uh, it's, I mean, for one thing, it's not, for a lot of people, it's not economically feasible, but you know that just that wasn't we 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 worry too much we <laughs> I think you have to have a the right psychological makeup for that to work and and I don't so but I enjoy her family her family of your um and seeing these children and they were very artsy craftsy and I did a lot of artsy craftsy things with with Will and Jack um <coughs> so it's fun excuse that big cough right there um but that is a cozy thing to do, to read that blog and just enter into the fantasy of it. Wouldn't life be lovely on a farm in Maine? And as someone who loved living in Massachusetts when I lived there but left as soon as I got out of school because I just could not deal with the weather anymore, I know I would not be happy in Maine. I would be lying on the bed just, you know, freebasing brandy. You know, I just... and and, and Jim Beam. I mean, and, and I don't even drink liquor, but you know, that's where I would be. Um, so I, I have no business probably even visiting Maine, but I like living there on the Soul Mama blog via the Soul Mama blog. So that's something I've been reading too. I may, um, I don't, I have no idea how long I've talked. I'm sure it's been long enough and it would be nice just to go ahead and post. Um, I hope you're doing well. This is a nice time of year for listening to music, by the way. I'm listening to, I listen to a lot of sort of alternate country and um, alt country, as they say, in Americana and old time, and anything with guitars and fiddles makes me pretty happy. Um, so yeah, so also listening to a lot of music. So if you're feeling blue, listen to music, listen to some fiddle playing, unless it drives you crazy, which it could. Sometimes it drives me crazy. Um, you know, and dance around the house, pet your dog on the head. I hope you're doing okay. We're doing fine. Everyone is healthy. Um, psychologically. I have been pretty steady. I, ha- I I go into some troughs every once in a while, just you know, just uh, just have feeling kind of fine, and then the the enormity of our situation in the world right now hits me, and I go and I just feel a little bit hopeless, and then I, you know, then I look around for reasons to feel hopeful, and certainly good friends. It's a big one, and good dogs. Um, you know that that uh, you know. There, there are reasons to be hopeful. Sometimes they seem hard to, to parse and and or or, or to to uh, you know to actually just see in in front of us. But yeah, so th- there are days in which I feel gloomy and sad and uninspired. Um, but by and large, I'm doing okay, and I hope that you are too. And I hope that wherever you are, that the weather is good. Um, not that we have feelings about the weather but you know I hope it's tolerable I hope the weather's tolerable where you are and um that that you like this time of year I love this time of year it is a little shocking on those mornings the the first mornings you go out and it's actually cold and you're like oh 
forgot about this. Um, you know, I've been wishing for it, wishing for it, wishing for it, and then it comes. And it's like, wow, I forgot. Cold is, well, cold and a little uncomfortable. But you know what? You just put on another sweater. Um, did you ever listen to Brenda Dane's knitting podcast? I loved that podcast. I think I'm going to go, well, no, I'm going to go write because writing is my job and it's time to get to writing. But I just want to check in and say hi. I hope you're doing fine. Leave a comment. Uh, at least, you know, say one in your head. Hey, Francis, how are you? Um, but, you know, feel free to leave a comment. I love hearing from you. And that's it for now. I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Off-Kilter Quilt. Come visit me online at offkilterquilt.com. Until next time, this is Francis. Remember, life is short. Quilt first.